Hello, everyone, and welcome to the January 25th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd's Karen and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit affirmed an $8.6 million judgment in favor of Allstate Insurance Company against a former Las Vegas chiropractor named Abtin Nasiri. Nasiri began defrauding Allstate in 2003 by exaggerating clinical findings, submitting improbable diagnoses, billing for services not rendered, providing unnecessary and excessive treatment, misrepresenting billing, making inappropriate referrals, and exhibiting a general pattern of illegal and fraudulent conduct. The Chiropractic Physicians Board of Nevada revoked his license in 2010. Then, in June 2013, following a 10-day trial, a jury awarded $1.1 million in damages against Nasiri and others. The district court trebled the damages under the federal and Nevada state RICO laws, increasing the award to $3.5 million and added prejudgment interest of $1 million. Punitive damages, attorney fees, costs, and additional prejudgment interest were added, increasing the total to $8.6 million. Nasiri was the only defendant who appealed the 2013 decision. He unsuccessfully argued that the district court erred in admitting the testimony of all states' damages and in denying his motion for summary judgment. The court concluded, where the tort itself is of such a nature as to preclude the ascertainment of the amount of damages with certainty, it will be enough if the evidence shows the extent of the damages as a matter of just and reasonable inference although the result may be only approximate. Keep in mind that California is in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and this law will help our fraud cases here. The Court of Appeal rejected a defense request to use the Daubert evidentiary standard in a workers' compensation death case. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Star Insurance Company versus WCAB and Maria Rosa Tavares. Armando Tavares had been employed as a seasonal tractor driver by Luis Scatini and Sons for three to four years before his death. In 2011, while he was pressure washing the mud off his tractor one morning, he told his foreman that he was having chest pain and asked to use the restroom before he was taken to the doctor. He went into a portable toilet but did not come out. Co-workers called 911 and first responders pronounced his death after resuscitation efforts failed. A pathology report indicated he died as a result of heart attack due to hardening and narrowing of his arteries which supply the heart muscle. His widow and dependent children were awarded $320,000 in death benefits after a hearing that determined the death was AOE-COE. The work comp judge based the finding on the opinion of two doctors who agreed that Mr. Tavares's heart attack was caused by work and reconsideration was denied and the award was affirmed by the Court of Appeal in the unpublished case. 
What is interesting in this case is that on appeal, Star Insurance asked the court to clarify whether workers' compensation cases are exempt from the higher evidentiary standards set forth in the U.S. Supreme Court Daubert decision. It argued that the Daubert standard should be applied generally to workers' compensation matters and particularly to the medical evidence in this case. The Daubert standard provides a rule of evidence regarding the admissibility of expert witnesses' testimony during United States federal legal proceedings. This Daubert standard is now the law in federal court and over half of the state courts. However, the much lower standard based upon the Fry case, this is also known as the Fry standard, remains the law in some jurisdictions, including California, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Washington. The Court of Appeal declined to apply this tougher evidentiary standard. Labor Code Section 5708 provides that the board and workers' compensation judges are not bound by the common law or statutory rules of evidence and procedure. Labor Code Section 5709 provides that no informality in any proceeding or in the manner of taking testimony shall invalidate any order, decision, or award, and that no award shall be invalidated because of the use of any evidence not admissible under the common law or statutory rules of evidence and procedure. Thus, the Court of Appeal concluded that it was not the province of the court to establish evidentiary rules for workers' compensation proceedings. And now our crime report. A former El Dorado Hills man and workers' compensation PEO operator pled guilty in federal court to using business funds for personal expenses. 46-year-old Gregory J. Chimlewski operated a business in Roseville, California, and later Sacramento, called Management Resources Group California LLC, which also went by the name Independent Management Resources. The company was supposed to sell and manage workers' compensation insurance for companies, eventually paying the money for valid claims. But Chimblowski spent funds that were supposed to be reserved for the claims for his personal use, and the company could not cover these claims. He pleaded guilty to two counts of mail fraud for transferring his business funds to his own personal use. California workers' compensation insurance rates at the time were quickly escalating back in early 2003. Some entrepreneurs negotiated agreements with California Indian tribes to collaborate on business ventures to sell alternative insurance plans not subject to the state's insurance regulations. The ventures claimed to operate under the sovereign domestic nation status of these tribes. So, back in 2003, Chimblewski set up Management Resources Group California, LLC, to sell workers' compensation insurance. He then worked with Fort Independence Community of Paiute Indians near Death Valley to create a professional employee organization called Independent Staffing Solutions, managed by his Management Resources Group. More than $225 million passed through his accounts, and Chimblewski promised to maintain a financial reserve to pay the valid claims. But instead, he used $7.3 million for his own personal real estate investments. 
Independent Management Resources went out of business in 2010 through a bankruptcy liquidation. This left about 117 injured workers with about $1.8 million in unpaid claims. Chimlowski is scheduled to be sentenced on April 1st. He faces a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in prison and a quarter million dollars fine or up to twice the gain or loss from the offense. The former owner and operator of three medical clinics located in Los Angeles was sentenced to 78 months in prison for his role in a scheme that submitted more than $4.5 million in fraudulent claims. 48-year-old Hovick Semedian of Los Angeles pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud and was sent to prison and ordered to pay nearly $1,700,000 in restitution. Semedian owned and operated Columbia Medical Group Incorporated, Life Care Medical Clinic, and Safe Health Medical Clinic. All three clinics were located in Los Angeles. He admitted that he and his co-conspirators paid illegal cash kickbacks to patient recruiters who brought Medicare beneficiaries to his clinics. And he also admitted that he and his co-conspirators billed for lab tests and other services that were not medically necessary or were not actually provided. The FBI and other authorities investigated this case, which was brought as part of the Medicare Fraud Strike Force. And in medical news, a new study shows that people who have had cervical surgeries under workers' compensation have more than double the time off when compared to other patients. The purpose of this new study was to compare the outcomes of cervical disc arthroplasty between patients receiving and those not receiving workers' comp benefits. And the results were published in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. The researchers found that one year after surgery for both groups, they each reported similar outcomes, and the rate of operations was similar between the two groups, and the complication rates were similar between the two groups as well, and both groups had similar return-to-work rates, but the patients receiving workers' compensation reported significantly more days off, more than double the time of non-workers' compensation patients and what they needed to recover. With a backlash brewing over the price of medicines in the United States, drug makers are pushing back with a new message. They're saying that most people don't pay retail prices. A couple of dramatic price hikes in 2015 exposed the whole industry to ongoing scrutiny in Congress and on Wall Street. Touring Pharmaceuticals raised the price of a generic anti an uh, infective drug called Darapim by 5,000%, and the larger Valiant Pharmaceuticals International also raised the price on a heart drug, Isuprel, by more than 200%. The largest drug makers quickly portrayed those cases as outliers. And top executives from Eli Lilly, Merck, and Biogen said that the media focus on retail or list prices for branded medications is misplaced. The drug makers stressed that the actual prices paid by prescription benefit managers, insurers, and other large purchasers are reduced through negotiated discounts, but 
The industry practice of raising prices each year for treatments used by millions of people is attracting new attention. More recently, Pfizer, one of the world's largest drug makers, raised list prices on more than 100 drugs as of January 1st. The list included a 9.4% rise for pain drug Lyrica and nearly 13% increase for the erectile dysfunction drug Viagra. And in the face of industry angst, Pfizer said the list prices don't reflect considerable discounts to many payers, but it did not provide examples of its net prices. Drug makers keep actual pricing details close to guard their position in negotiations with commercial insurers and government health plans like Medicaid. There is no centralized catalog of U.S. list prices or rebates for medicines. In a November blog post, the industry's main lobbying group, Pharma, reported that list prices grew 13% in 2014, but actual prices increased only 5%. U.S. health insurers say that even accounting for discounts, drug prices are rising at an unsustainable rate and they are pressuring drug makers for cuts. And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted an order adjusting the official medical fee schedule to conform to changes in the Medicare payment system as required by the Labor Code. The CMS Medicare National Physician Fee Schedule Relative Value File that was initially released for the January 2016 update has been revised by CMS to correct technical errors. Thus, the administrative director has adopted the revised RVU file for services rendered on or after January 1, 2016. The administrative director has also adopted and posted the monthly Medi-Cal rates file update for physician-administered drugs, biologicals, vaccines, or blood products effective for services rendered after January 15. The order adopting the updates The text of the regulations and the Medi-Cal rates file can be found on the DWC website. And in other news, the County of Los Angeles reports that its claim costs continue to skyrocket. The total of all costs related to liability and workers' compensation claims increased by $45 million to nearly $578 million a year. This represents an 8.4% increase over the prior year. The chair of the County Board of Supervisors said that the increase is an urgent call for introspection and action. She added that she was particularly concerned with the cost of defending the Sheriff's Department in excessive force and officer-involved shooting cases. The county's self-insured workers' compensation claim administration program is the largest local governmental program in the state. It is responsible for administering over 27,000 open workers' compensation claims with approximately 11,000 new claims reported each year. The risk manager said that the workers' compensation system continues to be the main focus for this fiscal year because it was the largest risk-cost driver for the county. The cost of county workers' compensation claims rose from $342 million to nearly $360 million last year. 
This was despite the fact that there were 395 less injury claims over the prior year. The increased cost was attributed to the increase in weekly permanent disability benefits. The Sheriff's Department made up the largest share of those payouts. And if that were not bad enough, the cost of lawsuits against the Sheriff's Department jumped 50%, an increase driven largely by multi-million dollar payouts in excessive force and jail death cases. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skerrin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news. Thank you.